Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 6 as we continue through this testimony of the northern and southern kingdoms. If you remember, they're split up and the ten tribes went north and they're in apostasy. And we're going to see again about their kingdom today. They, um, they're one of their capital cities where they have a golden calf is Samaria. And then, of course, the tribe of Judah is called Judah. And, and really, Israel is the northern kingdoms is what they begin to call them. So make sure you put that on your notes. And uh, the tribe of Judah is just the tribe of Judah and a little bit of the tribe of Benjamin, they think. So uh, if you remember with us from last lesson... Remember, the Syrians were making war uh, against Israel. And uh, the king was sending out just little bands uh, of marauders, we see in, in verse 23, 623. Just little bands. And, but, but what would happen is, is when they would be going out, uh, the, the prophet would tell the king of Israel, I believe his name is Jehoram at this time, uh, where they were going to be, where they were going to be attacking and what was going on. And so the king uh, of Syria says, uh, he's greatly telling me, he says, well, one of you tell me who is against us? How do they know exactly what we're doing? It's, and, and one of them said in 612, no, uh, none of us, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom." So the word of God, again, remember, listen, always when we're looking at the prophet, that's where the word of God came from. So it's tantamount to God speaking to him and him foretelling the word of God. Today we have the gift of prophecy, and it's the same thing. We have the written word of God, and God allows us to expound upon it and foretell it to other people uh, because uh, the, the office of prophet has, has ceased we don't need it anymore. Hebrews 1.1, past times and divers manners, God spoke to the prophets, but in these last days, he speaks to his son, Jesus, I paraphrase. And so we know that God has already spoken everything that he needs to speak, and it's recorded here uh, in these 66 books by 40 authors. But back to our text, uh, the king is thinking there's a spy. Uh, and so when he finds out that it's Elisha, which is um, sharing with the king of Israel what's going on, telling everything. Now listen to me. The word of God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. The prophet speaks the word of God. When you read the word of God, it can tell you everything going on. So you might not know where the enemy is attacking, but the word of God already does. The word of God can prepare you for the attack of the enemy, no matter what he's doing, no matter where he's going, no matter what's going on, God knows already what you need and he wants to prepare you. That's why we encourage you to get into the word of God every day, to get into prayer, to get in fellowship, to be living in a love relationship with God so you'll always be ready for the war because God sees the enemy. God knows where to turn your where to turn you at and what to do, and He knows what to teach you to prepare you for the battle or the temptation that's coming. And He uses the Word of God to do that. So always be ready for that because the enemy is going to attack. Watch this. 
When he finds out it's Elisha, what does he do? He sends someone to get him. Find out where he's at and get him. It's 6.13. Surely he is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots. He sent all these soldiers down there to capture the word of God. And see, that's what the enemy wants to do with you and I. Wants to capture the word of God and keep us from getting the word of God. Keep us from getting the instruction of God. Keep us from hearing what God would tell us about the war that's going on, the spiritual war that rages all around us. We are no longer bodies. We're spirits. We're not flesh. We're not carnal. We don't war according to the flesh. We war according to the spirit with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. So we need the word of God. So the enemy wants to capture the word of God. The enemy wants to keep you from getting to the word of God. The enemy wants to alter the voice of God the word of God, so you do not follow. Of course, John 10, 27, Jesus speaking, says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, that's relationship, and they follow me. So when you're hearing his voice, you can draw near, he'll draw near to you, he can know you, you know him, and then you begin to follow him. You're led by the Spirit of God, and as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So he goes to try to capture him. And as he comes and he's trying to capture the word of God, the servant of Elisha sees all the soldiers up around him and is like freaking out. And it says, he says, my, my, my master, what shall we do? Listen, what, how does he answer 616? He said, do not fear. So see, listen, there's lots of things you might do according to the instruction of the Word of God, but the first instruction of the Word of God, who's the living Word of God? Jesus. The first instruction of the Word of God, when you hear His voice, is do not fear. Listen, that's what He said to the boys. Fear not when the storms were raging. Listen, the first thing you can do is if you know the living Word of God, if you believe in Jesus, you don't have to fear anymore. Remember the first thing that happened when sin entered the camp, Adam and Eve, they ran and hid. And then they heard the voice of God. And he said, Adam, he said, where are you? He said, we heard your voice and we hid because we were afraid. When we hide from God, it's because we are afraid. It's because we're in sin. But God would tell us, do not fear. And he says this in verse 16. 616 of 2 Kings. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Listen, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Christ has defeated the enemy, the devil. You don't have to fear him. And Elisha prayed, this is what the word of God prays, and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, open the servant's eyes that he might see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So then the Syrians come down. Listen, when you, when you begin to listen and not fear, you begin to trust God and hear the word of God. What does the word of God do? It opens your eyes to see the spiritual realm. That's why we read the Word of God every day. That's why we're spending time with God. And He begins to open your eyes to see the spiritual realm and the ramifications of things going on. 
And look what he does. He said, he, he prayed, and the Lord struck the Syrians with blindness. So the enemy was blind and didn't know what they were doing. Didn't know where they were at. And then Elisha, the word of God, said to them, uh, the, the person you're seeking is not here. This is not the way. Follow me. And he leads them to the capital city of Samaria where the king and his armies are. And, and when they get there, the king is like freaking out. He's wanting to kill them. He said, shall I kill them? And he said, no, give them bread and water. Give them bread and water, and then he lets them go. Think about this for a minute. To deep thought, you and I were enemies of God. We're born enemies. We're born sinners, and we are enemies with God. And God graciously sent his son Jesus to die. And when the word of God, you hear that word, you hear the good news, it opens your eyes to that truth. And you can choose to believe it or you can choose to stay blind. But when you believe it, God gives you bread and water. He gives you the manna from heaven, Jesus, and then he gives you the Holy Spirit so that you can grow. And that's the grace of God. We can have the grace of God. He could have killed us because we're his enemies. We were brought there blind, didn't know we were blind, didn't know we could see, and he could kill us. But he gives us grace, and then he lets us go away and choose whether we're going to follow him or whether we're going to choose to continue to live in our own strength. But we have the word of God and the spirit of God to wash us and cleanse us and change us into the image of God, which is what he's doing with his people. And so they, it says there in 23b, uh, so the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. And so that was really the conclusion. I think chapter 7 really starts here in verse 24. Because we're going to see verse 24, 624 of 2 Kings, all the way through all of chapter 7 is really the same testimony of God still working in the life of Israel, even though they're apostate, even though they're not listening to the word of God, even though the king doesn't believe the word of God, God is still saving his people out of and being faithful to what he said he would do. Now let's look, 24. And it happened. Actually, in the King James, it says, and it came to pass. Don't you like that? I always like it when it comes to pass because everything comes to pass. Especially if we are reading God's word and he says it's going to happen, it'll always happen. If it, if it came and it's in your life right now, next year it won't be here if you listen to God's word. If you listen to counsel of his word, he will take care of it. He will mend it. He will heal it. He will move you past it. But you can stay in it if you want. But with God, you can go through it and it will come to pass. It can move on. But it happened after that. Or after this, that Ben-Hadad. Now, Ben-Hadad is son of Hadad. Old Testament in the Hebrew, Ben means son of. New Testament, Bar means son of in the Greek. Simon Bar-Jonah means son of Jonah. In the Hebrew, it's Ben. Ben or Bar both means son of. So this is a title. This is not the actual king's name. But the king is called son of Hadad, which is a false god. It's his title. 
king of Syria, gathered all his army. Remember, he was sending out bands. You see that in 23b. And, and we don't know how much time has really passed. Think about it. We don't know how much time has really passed. You would think if they just all got captured and then was by the grace of God set free, that they would not come and attack again so quickly, but they would trust God's word. But listen to me. It doesn't take you and I long after coming to sight to become blind again if we walk away from God's word. We can forget so quickly the grace of God, so quickly the rescue of God, the salvation of God, the help of God. We can be in the middle of God delivering us from a great battle and then go, ah, where's that going to come from? What am I going to do there? And, and we don't stop to thank God for his goodness and for his rescue and his mercy. Then the enemy can come and attack again because we're not learning the lesson that we're supposed to learn. We're not seeing the truth of what God is doing, that he's a great deliverer, that he loves us. He'll provide for all of our needs. He'll take care of us. But we have to sometimes rest in that and thank him and take time to really build that relationship. But here comes the enemy again. We don't know how much time has passed. But listen to him. If you remember with the attack even on Jesus, the enemy, Matthew 4, he went away to a more opportune time. Listen, the enemy doesn't stop attacking. But you can stop being enemies with God if you believe the word of God. So you don't have to be the enemy attacking your own life. But if we continue to live in the flesh, we're attacking our own life. We're part of the enemy. See, listen to me. Because you have three enemies when you're in this war, when you're in this body. You have the world, which is underneath the sway of the wicked one. You have the wicked one, the devil. And then you have your flesh, which has been trained by the devil, that can continue to attack you. So the enemy can attack you if you do not trust the word of God, if you do not get into the word of God, if you do not believe the word of God and obey the word of God. What does James say? 122, but be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. See, we want to be doers of the word of God. Many people hear it. Many people know it. Many people see it. Many people go, wow, I see the spiritual realm. Look, there is more angels. But then they don't obey it. They don't stand in it, which is the place of the Christian. We're supposed to be standing in the victory of Christ, standing in our salvation, standing and watching the salvation of the Lord because it's complete. So the enemy comes and attacks again. And we have a choice. Am I going to believe the word that God has already taught me? Am I going to remember the victory that he just gave? Or am I going to run again? Now watch. He gathered all his army. Before it was a little, now he's bringing them all. And he went up and besieged Samaria. Samaria means um, watch station or watch mountain. And, but listen to what besiege means. Listen, the enemy comes up. Now think about this for a minute. He's got all of his army, right? He can come up and just attack the city and fight and kill and destroy. But guess what? That's not what he does. He besieges it. And it means to confine it. It means to assault it. It means to bind together or fortify it. It actually means to put up in bags. Isn't that interesting? 
Listen to me. He besieged it. He just surrounded it. And this is what the enemy wants to do to your life right now. He doesn't want you in the word of God. He doesn't want you in prayer. He doesn't want you in fellowship with God. He doesn't want you talking to God in worship, in prayer. He just wants to besiege you. He doesn't have to attack you and kill you and cut your head off if he can keep you from the truth of God, the word of God, praying to God and trusting God in fellowship. He's already defeated you. He will confine you. He will assault you and he will deceive you if, you, if he can just keep you away from the truth of God. So he don't have to attack your city. He don't have to attack your house. All he has to do is give you a bunch of other stuff to look at. You can see the enemy at a distance. You can see something you don't have. You can lust after. You can go after. You can, and, and he keeps your eyes everywhere except on the throne room, upon the victory, upon the grace that God has given you, upon this word, and he's already defeated you. You become a POW in the enemy's camp because you're not getting the truth of God and you're following lies. You become a POW because you're not praying and building a relationship with God. So you're already deceived. You're not having fellowship with God. You're already defeated. So watch this. He just besieges it. He doesn't have to attack the city. All he has to do is do what? Look at 25. Create a great famine in Samaria. When he surrounds the city, he keeps the city from getting food, nourishment. Listen, we're spirits. We need the bread of life, manna from heaven. We need the spirit of God. So anytime I see the word famine, I'm always taking that, thing, that right there. Because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The most important thing we should have is an appetite to be led by the Spirit in the Word of God to learn the truth of God so that God can lead us away from the enemy, which is the world, our flesh, and Satan. It gives us eyes to see what the enemy is doing, but what really does is leads us to do the work of God. It leads us to be involved in what God is doing so that we're not even got our eyes everywhere else and we're besieged. We're cramped in. We're confined. We're being assaulted. We don't have to do that. So there's a famine in Samaria. Do you know that, that they're already apostate? They're worshiping golden calves. They've walked away from God. So they don't believe the word of God. They're ignoring the word of God. It's only the grace of God that keeps them from dying in the first place. And now there's a famine also only to beat them down more because they don't know the truth of God. And we're the same way in the church today. There is a great famine for the word of God. And God is bringing it. He's the one that is allowing it. And he's the only one that can rescue us from it when we cry out to him. Listen, he will allow you to reap what you sow. This nation of Samaria is worshiping gold calves. They walked away from God. They know the truth of God. They know that they're supposed to go to Jerusalem to worship. They know they're not supposed to be against the other tribes of Judah. Yet they are going to end up, watch, the king is going to blame God. Because God allows them to reap what they sow. Listen, it's the biggest, biggest lie of the devil that it's God's fault. 
God has poured out his grace, his mercy. He's allowed his blood to flow so that our sins can be forgiven. He's given us an inheritance. And then if we don't pick it up, if we don't believe it, if we don't get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, it is certainly not God's fault. His grace is sufficient. It, we will reap what we sow, though, because he's a just God. And he will allow us to reap whatever we believe and sow. Watch this. The famine was so great. It reminds me of the prodigal son eating uh, uh, pig's food or pig's uh, pies until he came to his senses. And we can all do this. Look at how bad the famine is surrounding this great city. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Now, this is of, of silver. Now, this is a lot of money for nothing. But they're starving to death. Listen, are you starving to death for the word of God? It's free. It's what your soul needs. It's what's going to lead you in life. It's what's going to give you wisdom and counsel. And we're starving to death when Bibles are in everybody's home and everybody's land. Everybody carries them. And we starve and we have a famine for the word of God. Listen, not enough just to read it. We have to ask God for strength to trust it and obey it and believe it. And it continues to strengthen us. But look at this. Now, dove droppings, I'm reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it. Cab of dove dropping it, reading it, reading it, reading it. It's like one and a half liters. I'm like reading it, reading it, reading it. I'm like, man, there's got to be something here. They're buying dove poop? Uh -huh. That's what that sounds like, right? That's what somebody it is. Said that it, well, somebody said that it, it could have been a vegetable or a plant that they called. I'm just telling you. And that's given uh -huh. grace to it. Because they're eating a donkey's head, and it's costing a fortune to get it. And, and I believe they're eating dove's poop, and it's costing a fortune to get it. Listen. There's getting ready now. Take, listen to me. Listen to me. It is July 9th. Today would have been my brother's birthday, his 60th, if he'd have been here. And today's July 9th. There's getting ready to be a famine in America. There's a famine for the word of God, but there's getting ready to be a food shortage. And you need to wake up to it. They're getting ready to cause it on purpose. Our, our, our country is being besieged on every front by a foreign government, and even our own government is involved with it, and God is allowing it, because we're reaping the evil that we've sown as a country. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got nothing to do with those things. It's just sin, and it's coming. The Bible tells us about it, and we need to wake up and make plans and make sure we know. Now, you watch this text. This text is amazing, because even though the city is besieged, even though all this is going on, the word of God is still doing great. The elders are still doing great. They're separated from this. And I don't know if you remember back in uh, 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 Exodus, when God brought 10 plagues against the world, against Egypt, his people were separate from those plagues. Those plagues did not affect his people. And we can trust God if we will make plans. And we will believe God, we will begin to prepare for what's coming down the pipe. So this is a pretty crazy thing that they are eating uh, donkey's heads, if they can afford it, and dove droppings. It's a lot. 
26. Then as the king of Israel, this is his name is Jehoram, I believe, was passing by on the wall, so he's out on the wall walking, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my Lord, O king. Listen to me, just a quick question. In a famine, who are you asking for help? When there's a famine for the word of God, where are you looking for counsel? Is it to the word of God? Is it to God himself? Is it your relationship with God? Where are you getting your counsel? See, the enemy is the, 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 the Satan who, who the whole world's under the sway of. So when Satan causes a famine and he besieges your city and your house and you go to him for help, that's deception. The king and his apostasy and him not believing the word of God is why they're in this position. They've reaped what they've sown. 27, listen, the king says something wise here. And he said, if the Lord does not help, where can I find help for you? That is a powerful statement. When the Lord brings judgment upon a nation, where does help come from? No, when the Lord passes judgment, there is no help. The only place is, is to repent and turn to him and ask for his grace and mercy. So he says, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? Man has no help for you unless they point you to Jesus. Unless they point you to God. They have no help for you. Do not trust in man. From the threshing floor, that's where the grain's at. There is none. From the wine press, where the wine, the grapes, there is none. Then the king said to her, listen, what is troubling you? King James, what is aileth in you? What's the problem? What's going on? Now listen. And she answered. This woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today. You thought a donkey's head and some dove droppings was bad? This woman said, give me your son and we'll eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So she did. We boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Notice, the, listen to me, notice the famine is so bad. Notice the flippancy of this woman talking about killing her child and eating it. Listen to me, notice, notice that in order for her to survive, she would kill her own child. Listen to me, that is no different than abortion today. It is no different. It's just as vulgar. It's murder it's just as bad that we would kill our children, we would give them to the schools, we would give them to the world so that we could live and have our fun and we wouldn't starve, we would give our children away. There is no real difference except this falls all the way to the bottom of the reprobate ladder in order to be eating your own children. And then to be troubled and mad and seek help from the king to try to get the other woman's child. You would think there would be some mourning, some repentance, some that was wrong. This is crazy. But she's just mad because she can't get the other one's child. This is depravity. 
Look how far apostasy takes you. When you walk away from the Word of God, you'll call everything good as long as you're happy, as long as you get what you want, as long as you're okay. That's why we see in the world today them taking everything that is wrong, everything that is uh, unclean and unlawful, and they're making laws to make it lawful. They're making laws to make it okay. And they are saying, you will conform. You'll do what we tell you to do because it's the law. You're going to do what we tell you to do because we say it's right. What does God say? What does God say about your life? That is what you need to know today. This is evil. But guess what? In Deuteronomy 28, let's just turn there. 28.53, and it do you good to sit down with your Bible and read it. I'm not going to read it. I almost wanted to teach it, but it would take us forever. Deuteronomy 28.53, God told them this would happen. But you should go back, Deuteronomy 27, Deuteronomy 28. It's in the re-giving of the law. God says in 28.1 and following, he tells them, if you do, if you hear my, listen to this, listen to this. 28.1 Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey my voice, obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you on a high above all the nations of the earth and he will bless you. Listen to me. But then it jumps over in 15 if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, he will curse you. There's blessings and curses. Listen, we're going to see and we're going to know and you already know that Christ died and took the penalty and the power of sin, but you still have the choice of obeying or disobeying God. And then you still will reap what you sow. You still can reap what you sow. But look in 53. Well, da, 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 da. where does it start? 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand. Don't be surprised when it happens on America. A nation of fierce countenance which does not respect the elderly nor show favor to the young. We're killing babies. We're killing the elderly. Listen to me. This is a spirit. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. Their, 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 their havoc is everywhere. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. That's what's going on in Israel right now as we read it in 2 Kings chapter 6. Look, they shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust Come down to all your land. Listen, what are you trusting in today besides God? What's your high wall? What is it that you think if I have Benjamins in my pocket, if I have a job, if I have a car, if I have a truck, if I have a spouse, if I have a boyfriend, if I, what is it that you think if the government sends me a check? What's your high walls? What are you trusting in besides the Lord God Almighty to provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory? By Christ Jesus. Because God wants to bring them walls down. He wants you to trust in Him. And when you don't, He will raise up enemies. He will allow 
Look what it says. 52b, and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body. That's what's going on. God warns. His word always warns. His word today is still warning us. His word today is still instructing us. He's telling us today what's going on. That's the, that's the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which you, your enemy shall distress you. And I'm not going to finish reading. I'm going to go back to our text. I just want you to see that God had warned them. When we know the word of God, we've already been told what's going to happen. When we know the word of God, we've told that if we hear his voice and obey him, which you hear his word and obey him, there's a blessing in it. If we hear it and we disobey him and we don't become doers of the word, then there's a curse involved in it. Now, I understand that Jesus paid for all of our sins, but our sins and our disobeying still there is fruit to reap from that in the flesh. And we have to understand that we are called to obey God. What's wrong in the church today? It's apostate. They say we're free to do whatever we want. We don't have to obey God. Listen, nobody was ever saved by the law. And that might strike some people as weird. The law never saved anybody. It's always God's provision that saves. It's always when you hear the voice of God and you obey the voice of God that you're saved by the provision of God. And in the Old Testament, they looked forward. And in that provision, God provided a legal system where they could cover their sin until the Messiah came. But they were saved by believing God, just like righteous Abraham was. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Everybody that believed God that there was a Messiah coming, it was accounted to them for righteousness. Well, what did they do after they believed, Greg? They obeyed the law. They weren't saved by it, but it covered their sin until the Messiah came. Same thing happening with you and I. We believe the Messiah came. And because we believe, we have the right to become children of God. To as many as believe in his name, his character, his nature, his will, his authority. And when you do that, then he wants to show you the truth. You hear his voice. You build a relationship. You learn to obey his word. It's always about obeying. Original sin was disobeying what God said. And when we safely have been brought back into God's house, we're supposed to learn once again to be led by the Spirit and learn to obey. And then when we do, the, the, the fruit, part of obeying, listen, listen, this is great news. Part of obeying is going, Father, forgive me, I'm not obeying. Lord, forgive me, I want to obey, but I have nothing in me that is able to do that Will you fill me with your spirit and teach me to obey? And then he begins to produce peaceable fruits of righteousness in your life, which look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now you're starting to look like his children because we're just like him. We're his offspring. Or we can go on living like the devil and we can live like his offspring. So listen, again, back in our text, they're eating their children. We were told to train our children, teach our children, lead our children, be an example to our children. 
discipline our children. And this woman is mad because she gave her child, but the other lady hid her child. Bravo. Bravo. She's seen the evil of eating the one child and said, I'm not going to give mine. 30. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. That's a sign of great mourning and humility. Because the king has no way of doing anything. Listen. Listen to me. Our government is torn. It has no way of helping you. Listen to me. The only one that can help you is Jesus. The one who hung naked on a cross and died for us. Isn't it interesting to you that when Adam and Eve in their sin were naked, they hid. But Christ hung naked and never hid. He, was, he came and died and allowed them to put him right out in front of everybody. But his spirit was righteous even though his body was naked. But Adam and Eve didn't know that. Their body was naked and they hid because their spirit was in sin. That's a powerful thought. You need to allow God to wash and cleanse your spirit. Sanctify and cleanse you. The king heard it. He tore his clothes. And as he passed by the wall, the people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Now why is that important? Because that means the king was in sackcloth mourning. It shows great humility and he's been crying out to God. But you know what the problem is? He's crying out to God and doesn't believe God. He's crying out to God and he does not believe God. Now listen to me. He is probably fasting and not eating. You go, there's a famine. Listen, look over in chapter 7, verse 13. Just wanted to show you a little bit that I've seen that the Holy Spirit showed me. They have horses remaining. They're going to take five of the horses remaining. We'll get there in a minute. Listen to me. That means the king was fasting on purpose because he could have been eating some of them horses. There's food for the king to eat. He's not killing his children. And listen to me. Every earthly government... No matter what they do to you, they're still going to have money. They're going to have resources. You continue to obey the king. He has all the resources in the world. But I'm just telling you that with the king having the sackcloth, I think he's fasting, putting sackcloth on in a show of humility, and he's crying out to God to deliver the nation, but he doesn't believe that God will because he has no faith. He doesn't trust God. He thinks God's the reason. He's blaming God. You'll see it in a minute. And he will not repent and confess that it's because of his sin and his leadership that he's reaping what he's sown. That he's going to go into captivity because he's disobeyed God. And that's what happens in our lives. We look at everything and think God's not giving us, God's not doing for us. God, and the devil's greatest plan is to make us blame God. Isn't that what happened in the book of Job? Job lost all of his children. Job lost all of his possessions. Job lost all of his houses. The only thing that God let him keep was his wife. And his wife said, curse God and die. Terrible counsel. Job continued to serve God and believe God and trust God. And God restored it tenfold to him. 
everything that he had. And what a testimony it was with his miserable counselors. Let's look. So the king, as he's walking about, he's fasting. He's got sackcloth on his body. He's, he's purposely uh, humbling himself. Now look at 31. Then he said, listen, listen to me. Think about it. You've got to think about this. I'm praying to God. I'm humbling myself. I'm crying out to God. And what does he say? The next thought in his mind. Then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. He blames Elisha. He blames the prophet. He blames the word of God for the problems. Now, what is it? Look what he said. God do so to me and more also. What, what are we talking about? He killed the baby. They ate the baby. He wants Elisha to be dead. So this is the devil's trick to get us to blame the word of God, the prophet of God, the ways of God, when it's really reaping what we sow. So now the king is so mad, he wants to kill the messenger. He wants to kill the word of God. And this is a trick of the devil. Run further from God. See, he's already got you besieged. He's got you away from the word of God. And now he wants you to blame the word of God. He wants you to blame the word. Listen to me, because when you blame the prophet, when you blame the word of God, you're blaming God. You can't separate God's voice from him. He wants you to, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You can't separate them. And the word of God come from the prophet of God in the Old Testament. Now we have it right here in our hands in the New Testament. We can actually set and spend time with God in the word of God and allow it to search our heart and cut away at our heart and build us up in the image of God. Or we can choose to disobey it and ignore it and blame God. So now he's going to go after the head of Elisha. Now the head always means the power too. The head is your power. 32, but... Here's your contrast I wanted you to get to. But Elisha was sitting. Think about this. Elisha's not up walking around wondering what to do. Think about it. He's the word of God. He represents the word of God. Elisha is sitting. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, excuse me, he's sitting in a house, in his house. He's not besieged. He's not worried about the Syrians. He's not freaking out. He's sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. This is the people who believe God. They're still sitting there. Listen, that's your position right now. Listen, if you believe the word of God, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you believe in the blood of Jesus and it paid. Your position is sitting in high places. You're seated at the throne room with Christ. You don't have to worry about the enemy. You're already positionally finished. You're safe in the arms of Christ, if you believe that. And the king, excuse me, he's sitting there, and the king sent a man ahead of him. So he sends a messenger before. But before the messenger came to him, look at the word of God. He said to the elders, listen, 
Nothing is hidden from the eyes of God. Nothing is hidden from the prophet of God or the prophecy of the word of God. There's nothing going on on the planet that God doesn't know about, can't inform you about, can't instruct you about. Here is the wisdom of God. It's Christ Jesus. It's the word of God. And before that messenger can even get there, the prophet already knows it because he receives the word of God. And God says to him, look what he says. He says it to the elders. Do you see how this son of a murderer, who is he? Who is the murderer? Ahab? Ahab and Jezebel? And now his dad is uh, uh, Jeroboam? Uh, Here's uh, 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 Jehoram? This son of a murderer? See, he's believing a murderer. Listen, when you are fighting against the word of God, your father is the devil and he's a murderer since the beginning. When you're rejecting the word of God, you're a son of a murderer. Look at this. Do you see how this son, this Ben of a murderer, that's what that would be, would be the word Ben, has sent someone to take away my head? Listen, don't let the enemy trick you into taking away the power of the word of God from your life. Look, when the messenger comes, so the word of God keeps giving instruction. The word of God is not afraid. The truth of God is not afraid. That's why we need the truth of God. We need to learn the word of God. We need to stand on the word of God. We need to trust it and believe it. The word of God is not afraid. It's seated in high places. The word of God is a living person. Isn't the word of God truth? Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, the Bible, 1 Peter calls him the amen. The faithful and the true. You know why he calls him the amen? Because amen means the same thing in the Old Testament. It does in the New Testament. It means so be it. It means faithful. It means truth. It means you can trust it. Anything God says, you can just say amen to it. It's going to happen. You can just trust it. If God said it, it's going to happen. So if you obey him, you're going to be blessed. If you disobey him, you're going to reap cursings. You're going to reap bad, but you can repent. So he's the word of God here, when you think about it, is living and powerful. It's sharpening to edged sword. It's given instruction to the people around him, and, and the guy's not even there yet. The messenger's not even there yet. In fact, watch what happens. The messenger and the king arrive together because they're one and the same. Look, when the messenger comes, this is what the word says. When the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. You know what that means? Hey, when the messenger comes and lies to you, listen, take the thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Take the thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's what he's telling people to do here. When that messenger gets here, shut the door, hold him fast, and don't let him get in your door. Don't let his lie get in your head. You learn the truth. You believe the truth. You stand on the truth. And then he says, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? Listen to me. The enemy is the devil. And when a messenger comes to lie to you, the devil's not far off. He's right there. The sound of his feet 
when we know the word of God and we have a relationship with Christ, we can hear the devil's feet behind every single lie that's told. We can hear the devil coming to try to rob, kill, and destroy. If we'll learn the word of God and we'll have a relationship and we'll stand on the word of God. 33, and while he was still talking with them, he hasn't even finished. Listen, God's speaking louder today than he's ever spoken. He's still talking to us right now. Are you listening for his voice? Are you learning to articulate his voice? Are you learning to see truth so that you can recognize the sound of the liar's feet right behind it? While he's still talking with us, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, the king's right there with him. It's the voice of a liar. Surely this evil, this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Listen to that lie. Listen to the lie that the king has been told. The king is believing that the devil wants you to think. If this is all from the Lord, why should I even wait on the Lord? Why should I pray to the Lord? Why should I seek the Lord? He's already bringing this because he wants you to repent. He wants you to turn. He wants you to know that he can give you grace instantly. He can save you instantly. He can take care of it instantly. He can change the course of your life, the path of your life, the ways of your life instantly with his grace if you will repent. Or you can believe the devil and go, God's not helping me. I'm going to run. Why should I wait any longer on God? I've been praying for, for two whole weeks and the city's eating dove droppings and their own children. Why should I wait on God? The world. Listen, you don't give up hope. People say to me all the time, I go, man, you see what's going on in the world? This is getting crazy. God's getting ready to come soon. And they're like, don't give up hope. My hope never was in America. My hope has always been in God. I'm not giving up hope. He's coming to get me soon. Why are you hoping in America? Your hopes in America, you must be worshiping America. I will, be, I will stand strong. I will be a patriot. But I'm hoping in Jesus, not in any system that's earthly and kingships down here. I'm not giving up no hope. I'm still looking to the throne room, to the word of God. I'm still trying to instruct the people of God and live a godly life. I've not given up no hope. Listen, don't give up hope on God. Earthly systems will fail you. The devil will lie to you. Your flesh will deceive you. But instantly God can change everything. Look at chapter 7. Then the word of God said, No, Elisha the prophet, the one who foretells the word of God with a gift of prophecy, what does he say? Hear the word of the Lord. Don't believe what the king is saying, the government is saying. Don't believe what your flesh is seeing. Don't believe all the devil's lies, but hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What? They're selling donkey's heads. Are you kidding me? Tomorrow? There's a great famine right now. 80 shekels for a dead donkey's head. Five shekels of silver for a daub of 
dove droppings, a cab, I should say. Do you see this? He says tomorrow. The word of God says deliverance is coming from the Lord tomorrow. Don't give up today. There's going to be some real cheap food. This stuff is going to go. They're going to have so much of it. So what happens? God's provision is coming. Don't stop looking to God today. Don't believe the government and the king and the liars. And, and, and my whole problem is God. That's what they want to tell you. That's what the devil wants you to believe. God's holding out on you. No, his deliverance coming tomorrow if you believe him and listen. That's what he says. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen for the voice of God. When his word comes, isn't that his voice? Look at verse 2. So an officer of whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God, answered Elisha, and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, this is what Elijah said to him. This is what the word of God said to the unbeliever. In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Listen to this. The word of God hasn't stopped. It's still telling them. Elisha is not playing games here. He's, he's hearing from God. He's telling the truth. He's standing there without any fear. He's provided for perfectly. He knows God's on the throne. And he tells the king what will happen the next day if you trust God. And here's one with no trust in God. See, all things are possible with God if you believe. They're praying, they're fasting, they're wearing sackcloth, they're crying out to God, but they don't believe he's going to answer. And the word of God says he will, and he does, and he is. And he loves you, and he died for you, and he's already given you his son. How will he not give you everything else you need for life and godliness? And then now here, we're going to change, see? Because I believe this is all one uh, testimony. And, and, but the, the scene is going to change a little bit, right? Verse 3. Now, there were four lepers, or le four lepers, leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? See, because with leprosy, you're going to die anyway. And now, on top of leprosy, you got a, a city being besieged, and, and the people that would throw you scraps because you're unclean can't even throw you anything because they can't afford to eat. They're killing their own kids and eating them. So these lepers go, hey, wait a minute. Under, under our law, we can't even get close to anybody. We have to yell unclean if they come close to us. We have to be separated from them. But under the Syrian law, we can go to the Syrians camp. Look what they're saying. We don't have to stay here and die. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. So see, they could break the law. If we said here, we die. Now come, let us let's surrender to the Syrians if they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. They're going to die anyway. We can break the law of God and go into the city, but they ain't got anything. So let's go deliver ourselves to the Syrians who are besieging the city. and They take us captive. If they feed us, we'll stay alive. They don't care about our leprosy. But if they kill us, we're, that's what we're already going to get anyway is death. We're already dead. See, because they weren't, leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. It's a type. 
Not all leprosy is, is, is because of sin, but all death is because of sin. So when a body gets leprous, it's because of original sin. Because God created us perfect. So leprosy is a type of sin. Notice what happened? It's got them separated. It's got them already thinking about their death. They can only be with, sinners can only hang out with sinners. But if your sinner is saved by grace, you should be hanging out with God. You should be in the word, prayer, and fellowship together. But if you're still living as a leper, you're still doing your sin and doing what you want to do, and you're proud of it, you go hang out with somebody else that's just as proud. Or you can come and learn how to live for God in fellowship with God's people and God's word. But these lepers, they're reasoning. They got some pretty wise counsel. But you know who's moving them? God is. Because God's getting ready to do an amazing thing. Now, you can actually look at this and go, wow, are we the lepers? In this text, are we the lepers sitting at the gate and we have a choice to, to listen and, and, and use some logic? I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. We're at the gate. That's what's happening in life today. You have two ways, two choices. You can choose the king or you can choose to go to the enemy's camp. See, what you're going to find out when you get to the enemy's camp that God has already defeated the enemy. The enemy don't have any power over these lepers. God's moving them to see that even though they're lepers, the enemy has no power. They're going to become the ones who rescues the whole city, the whole kingdom, because their leprosy doesn't bother God. He's already taken care of it. He overlooks it. Listen, this is an amazing, it's an amazing testimony of what God wants to do with us for our sin. But we have to get up. We have to listen. We have to move. We have to decide that we're not afraid because they can't do nothing but kill us. But all they can kill is the body. They can't kill the soul. Only God can kill the soul and cast it into hell. So they decide to go surrender. That's, that's a novel idea. Surrender. Verse 5. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Listen, if you would investigate the scriptures and you would look, the enemy's not there anymore. It's only the lie that you're believing and following. The power of sin is gone. The penalty of sin is gone. The enemy has no control of your life anymore if you believe in the blood of Jesus. But he can lie to you and make you think that he's besieging you and keep you from the word of God, the truth of God, from walking with God, from hearing the voice of God, from obeying God. He can lie to you. And you can keep believing that the enemy's besieging your house, your city, your life, and you can stay in the bondage you're in, or you can believe God and get up and go tell somebody that you're free. There's no one in the camp. He's a toothless lion. He's a liar. He goes about as a lion, but he has no teeth. Unless you give it to him. Christ set us free. Verse 6, who did it? For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. To hear some other power, the power of the blood. The noise of a great army. 
So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Listen, the enemy wants you to think that his camp has still got power, but it has no power. It's an empty camp. It's empty power. It's an empty lie. It's a deception. There's no besieging your castle, your house, your home anymore. There's no power there. You're safe. Salvation has delivered you into the house of God. You can trust God. You can believe God. Verse 8. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate. And drank. Here's lepers getting to eat and drink. Because they got up and did something. And they carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Now listen, what they get? Silver? Listen, silver is redemption. Gold Gold is deity. We're being clothed in it. If we will eat and drink with the Lord and we'll stop believing the lies of the enemy's camp, he will give us that salvation. He'll clothe us in his deity. But we can't just hide it. Look what they do. They came in there. They're getting fed. They're getting silver and gold. They're getting stuff. They're being clothed in the deity of Christ. And the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, the provision is there. Gentleness and self-control. Then they hid it. How many people in the church come to Jesus and then they hide their light underneath a peck bush? Look at verse 9. They were hiding everything and then they looked at each other. And they said to one another, we are not doing right this day is a day of good news. And we remain silent. Think about it. Good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the enemy's camp is empty. The enemy's camp has no power. The enemy's a liar. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go tell the king, the king's household. Listen to me. That is a go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I command you. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. They are worried. They said, this is good news. We can't be silent if we see that the enemy's camp is empty. Look what it says. If we wait till morning, there's going to be some punishment. Listen to me. If you're a believer in the blood of Jesus, we have to go before the judgment seat, the Bema seat of God, and we will be judged by our works. I'm not saying get kicked out of heaven. It's not a white throne judgment. But we're going to be judged by what we've done in the body. There's going to be punishment. Now, it's not going to be the same as getting cast into hell. But remaining silent and not using the gifts and talents and abilities and not telling other people the good news that the enemy's a liar 
and that there's no power in his camp. So what they say? Come, let us go tell the king's household. What is that? Listen to me. Think about that in kingdom theology. The kingdom of heaven. Who's the king's household? Every person who is supposed to come to salvation. So we go spread the gospel and they become children of God and you've told the king's household. I'm sorry, maybe I'm reading into that. I kind of see it there. Maybe you don't. It's not a time to be silent. It's a time to spread the good news. If you've been set free and sin has no power, the enemy has no power over you. There's no punishment anymore. Oh, you'll reap what you sow if you disobey. But you can confess it and repent and surrender. I'm not talking about living in sin. I'm talking about living, following God. I'm talking about living, obeying the word of God. I'm talking about growing in the grace and the knowledge of God. I'm talking about being led by the spirit of God for the glory of God for such a time as this. So what did they do? Verse 10. So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city and told them saying, we went up to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound. Only horses and donkeys tied and tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So they pass on the good news. People are eating their, their babies. And freedom has come. They don't have to fall to the bottom of the reprobate ladder because of the blood of Jesus. Because God has come and rescued them. The Lord defeated the enemy. So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in a field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. If they wanted in the city, they'd already destroyed you. Listen to me. The king doesn't believe God. The king doesn't believe the messengers of God. The king is doubting the word of God. And he wants you to have doubt and think it's a trick. See, he's underneath the sway of the wicked one. He is apostate. He's worshiping golden calves. He's the son of a murderer. We already seen that. The word of God told us that's what he was. So why would we follow the son of a murderer? Why would we follow somebody that doesn't have the counsel of God? So one of his servants, verse 13, answered and said, Please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. So there's a bunch of horses left, but we know there's at least five. So there's more than five because he says five of the remaining. Look, they may either become like the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Indeed, I say they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So they're going to die anyway. See, here's the same counsel that these lepers came up with. So let us send them and see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses 
And the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. They went and seen. They, they looked. They tasted and seen. And it's good. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. They went to the enemy's camp and took back what the enemy had stolen from them. So, 16b, a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel, two seas of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Listen, it's always going to be according to the word of the Lord. Why would God's people not try to learn the word of the Lord? If it's always going to be according to what he said, why would we not try to learn the word of God and believe it, stand on it, trust it no matter what we see, no matter what the king says, no matter what the enemy says, why would we not believe the word of God? Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seas of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. Listen, you never have to doubt the word of God. The one who did what happened to him, he died. Listen, the people were so alive and, and, and it looked like a Who concert. They were running to get this food and to pick up the inheritance and they trampled him. He had no faith. He didn't believe the word of God. He was a messenger for the king who was the son of a murderer. Listen, which messenger are you going to listen who are you going to obey? What are you going to follow? It's your choice. If you choose to obey God, there's a blessing. If you choose to disobey God, you will reap a curse. 19, then the officer had answered the man of God, said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? Look at that doubt. Look at that lie. Look at the death that's all over doubt. And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes but you shall not eat of it. Think about it. Coming out of that famine, you've been in a famine, and now you're seeing it, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get something to eat, and you got trampled and died. Listen, you come alive, you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see the resources, you see the provision, and you come alive and die because you disobeyed and you don't believe God. You don't taste and see that the Lord is good. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Oh, my goodness, how could we be at the gate and die because we don't obey? See, the gate is Jesus. The gate, the door. He's the way out of this world, way out of this curse, and the way into the family of God. can believe him. You can trust him. You can repent and turn to him. And he will provide. But don't get mad when he doesn't provide the way you want. Trust
trust him, wait upon him, cry out to him in sackcloth and ashes, knowing that we deserve nothing, yet he has opened our blind eyes so we can see. He's given us his grace and his mercy. He's given us a place in his house, and he wants us not to be silent, but to go tell people the good news. Share that the enemy's camp is empty. He's a liar. He's a toothless lion. He's a deceiver. He can only rob, kill, and destroy you if you let him. He has no power. He's a defeated foe. How sad that someone could see the inheritance of God, could taste and see the inheritance of God, and believe it, and get trampled at the gate and die because they wouldn't follow. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for opening blind eyes. Thank you for your son, Jesus. May we taste and see that the Lord is good. May we not remain silent. May we tell others, tear down the strongholds, tear down the voices and the walls that we listen to, tear down those things that we trust in, Lord God, and help us to trust only in you. Help us to hear your voice, and you know us, and we know you, and we follow you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.